0: Everybody and welcome to a brand new episode of the Geek
2: Buddies! Hey! Hey!
0: We're back at it again for a fun midweek show, or just past midweek show, to talk about all the things going on in the world of geekery. Look, it's January, there's not a lot going on, but we're going to have some fun today talking about the things that are going on for sure we're going to hit some trailers we're going to talk some news about planet of the apes we're going to talk some news uh some well uh, as well about the golden globes and the sag awards people's reactions to the nominations and the winners and losers and the snubs involved with those things as well uh and get into some captain planet news for the love of god it's a crazy time here on the geek buddies but let's introduce ourselves i am john roca writer producer host here on uh, the geek buddies
1: I am Michael Hogel, I'm a writer and producer of animated TV shows and movies.
2: And this is Shannon McClung. I'm an animation writer and a television actor where you're going to get to see me next month on the season premiere (laughs) of Party Down on Stars. Oh, no wonder you were pitching the show so hard.
0: Yeah, that makes sense. That makes all kinds of sense. Shannon did not get the memo about the light blue shirt day, but, you know, we're going to make, we're going to power through. (laughs) We're going to figure this out as we go along uh, for sure. Um, All right, so let's get into these things. The way it works for us is each of us brings up a geek news item. We talk about it amongst ourselves for your entertainment. Then we take a quick break and jump into our main topic, and before we do that just real quick big shout out to carbon health who continues to power and sponsor us here on the geek buddies into 2023 they've been awesome sponsors of us for quite some time now go and check them out go to carbonhealth.com for any health questions concerns or needs or download the app to have a doc in your pocket They got 100 plus locations all over the country 80 plus locations in california
1: alone I got, very, McCoy, I, th- I got very excited i drove i was driving down sunset boulevard the other night last friday you would have thought it was a celebrity sighting the way that I almost swerved off the road to park at a Carbon Health. I wanted to run in and be like, "It's me! I'm a Geek Buddy! I'm a Geek Buddy!" Uh, well, the, my friend in the so, car, to- my friend in the car, wisely told me that maybe I should just keep driving.
0: <laughs> <laughs> why didn't you say so, sir? The Geek Buddy Suite is right through here. After- <laughs> uh, all right, Shannon, I think you're
2: kicking us off today for sure. Yeah, with some trailers, trailers, trailers. So our first one actually came out last week, but it came out after we recorded. And yes. it just looks like a blast. So I figure we we got to talk about it. And it's the first trailer for Renfield starring Nicholas Holt, Nicholas Cage, Aquafina, and Brandon Scott Jones. This uh, is coming from uh, director Chris McKay, who directed Lego Batman. Hey! And he also directed Tomorrow War. Yeah. <laughs> but this looks like a, a very fun take on, on some classic characters. What happens if Renfield stays with Dracula? Until up to 2023, and he realizes he's in a toxic relationship, and he has to figure out how to separate him from his toxic boss, who in this case is the Lord of Darkness, Draculia. Um, uh, I'll throw it over to you guys. I think you can tell from my tone how I already feel about this trailer. But gentlemen, what did you all think of our first look at Renfield? Uh, Mike?
1: Uh, This trailer started, and I, A, thought it was a joke. (laughs) B thought it was, like, some weird direct-to-DVD thing. And then when Nicholas Holt showed up, I was like, oh, no, this is legit. Uh, This trailer slowly won me over by degrees. Like, I was like, oh, my God, this looks so fucking stupid. And then I was like, oh, okay, he's Renfield. Oh, okay, he's in, like, a a toxic relationship. Oh, okay, that's cute. Oh, Aquafina. Oh, okay, he's going to help her fight bad guy. Oh, this is about Renfield kind of using his power. Oh, okay. Oh, Nicholas Cage is Dracula. All right, yeah, I'll go see it. Like, that was, literally, that was literally the internal monologue for this thing. It There's something about the way it's shot. I don't know what it is. There's something about it that looks, I don't want to say low rent, but it Ooh. looks like, a, a, no, it just, it has a, I, I think it's an intentional thing. I don't think, I mean, I don't mm-hmm. think that like the people making this movie don't know what they're doing, but there's something about it that feels very schlocky B-movie. But yeah. given the subject matter and given what it's about, I feel like that's an intentional choice. Like it didn't look like some big budget, big universal tentpole release in the trailer, which is kind of what threw me off at the beginning. But it looks really weird. It looks really funny. Um, I I really did love some of the lines with like the group uh, in his self help group. Like I thought it was a very very clever trailer. Like when I go in and I watch a trailer and in the first like fifteen seconds, I'm like I don't know what, I don't know what this I don't know if I want to watch it uh for it to win me over by the end uh it's doing something right so i will i will be going to see this movie
0: yeah i mean i loved it i thought it was great and you're right mike i think it's a purposeful kind of b movie look to it you, you put nicholas cage in as dracula how can you not default to the b movie kind of approach this thing and is very much tongue-in-cheek but not tongue-in-cheek to the point where there isn't uh, a real stakes going on because you imagine you cast someone like nicholas holt who is a damn good actor and can you know really convey an emotional journey of a character and you give him some comedic stuff to do with nicholas cage but there's probably a real exploration of this idea of being in toxic relationships what's this all about and certainly we're seeing that now for three seasons successfully in what we do in the shadows or maybe it's war seasons it's just so great that show and so I, i'm very curious to see how what jokes they're going to make that they don't make on what we do in the shadows what's the approach they're taking in this film but it looks like a lot of fun, and certainly the support group, that is a new thing. Because usually the familiars, Guillermo looks down on the familiars and what we do in the shadows. This one feels like he is reaching for some connection here. And every and all the different people react differently to Dracula, like Nicolas Cage coming in and doing his thing. So I like that you're getting a bunch of different personalities. But overall, this is built on the chemistry of these two, and they look like they have really, they have really good chemistry in the trailer from what I saw. So yeah, I'm very excited. To see what this is, uh, how this is going to turn out, and the director of the Lego movie—that's a fantastic film. So I enjoyed that.
2: Well, and also this was based off of a, a, an original idea by Robert Kirkman of yeah. the Walking Dead and Invincible fame, written by a former Rick and Morty writer. Yeah. Um, look, I mean, I think the the potential for this not to be good is high, but looking <laughs> at the comedic talent involved, um, for, you know, for those of you who have not watched The Great on Hulu, Nicholas oh, yeah. Holt is really really funny i mean yeah. we don't always uh, uh audiences on on the large may not may not know that like they recognize him from his work you know in, in the x-men movies he, he's a really really talented comic performer and i think in the wake of the you know nicholas cage assons that we've been getting for the past few years this seems like a role that an actor like him of of his of his legend, of his history, yeah. can forgive the pun really sink his teeth into. Oh, um, and I do I not. Will not uh,
1: I will not know. forgive that pun.
2: Also, the tagline, great tagline, is is sucks to be him. I'm like oh. that. That is really really funny. And adding this action component, where Nicholas Holt can apparently eat super powered cockroaches and get these incredible physical abilities. I mean, I was like, look, this is this seems like it's gonna be. A lot of fun. Again, is is the potential there for it to be kind of silly? One hundred percent. But I think it looks like it's going to be pretty fun.
1: Well, I think whether the movie's good or not, it's a guarantee that it's going to be silly. I mean, yeah. this movie, this movie, this trailer is like big blinking neon sign, being like, "We are a tongue in cheek ridiculous movie." Now, to John's point, if it also has some some emotional stakes and you kind of like really care about the characters, awesome. But uh, yeah, I, I think the silly factor is. 100% guarantee, uh, actual stakes and heart. And if it's good, uh, emotional stakes, not wooden stakes. Um, yeah. Oh my God. What is uh, happening? Uh,
2: uh, what? Is well, remains to be seen. Remains to be seen. Ethan too. Vogel's on board. Come on, Johnny. I don't got <laughs> one. Up on what Dad Joke Island. Is, <laughs> I do
0: want to say this, though. Um, this is Nicholas Holt's second foray into monster movie type thing with tongue firmly planted in cheek but also an emotional story to tell so uh hey, to go for the triple or the trilogy he's got to be in a frankenstein movie at some point right he's done zombies vampires oh i guess werewolf and frankenstein just to hit the home run hit all four bases that would be what he'd have to do by the end of his career but certainly possible and
2: wolverine i guess comes close he's been in a film with wolverine so right i mean Kelsey. that's a little you know beast is a little werewolf like oh, right yes. sure <laughs> okay so maybe maybe Grammer. he. he He's succeeded with the hat trick. Well, in any case, uh, all of us are going to be able to find out whether this movie is silly fun or just silly on April 14th in just a few months. So our next trailer is something that the trailer was a little uh, unexpected. uh, But from this filmmaker, it seems like to be right on point. And it is for Bo is Afraid. This is a new film uh, film from uh, Ari Oster who also directed Hereditary and *Midsummer*, starring Joaquin Phoenix. And it, it, this looks like a fever dream type of movie has a very impressive cast with uh, Nathan Lane, Parker Posey, Amy Ryan. Um, and it almost looks like I was actually finding myself chuckling a little bit. Now, now, full disclosure: I am not, a, yeah, as we've discussed, I'm not a big horror fan, whether slasher or psychological. So, I have not seen Hereditary or Midsummer. I heard Hereditary is one of the most terrifying things people have ever seen, and yeah. Midsummer is like kind of Wicker Man levels of messed up. So, I had no desire to watch it, to watch either of those. Um, looking at this, I'm like, this is just this is just off kilter enough that I think I might give it a shot but gentlemen what did you all think of our first look at bow is afraid yeah and just before you get attacked in the YouTube Samar is how you, is how it's pronounced but whatever
0: I don't want you to get in trouble but yeah this is you're absolutely right great cast Shannon patty lapone Richard kind we didn't even see any of them in the trailer here uh, so a nice a group of people involved in this one but You're absolutely right. This feels like that uh, vignette in Lebowski extended out to an entire movie, like when he goes and has that weird dream and whatever, and the bowling pins and the whole opera aspect of it all. So this looks like a lot of, but the visuals here and of where they're taking you, we've seen this starting to come about more and more in our films. We're starting to see more of these kind of fever dream approaches as We explore the mind more in our main culture or mainstream culture. As we talk about mental health, talking about psychology, talking about psychiatry, all of that involved here. As we go deeper and deeper into our own minds, um, why not have entertainment that kind of reflects that? And certainly it seems like he's just flying home, but he's got all this shit that happens to him flying home. So is he a guy who's unstable and has these insane tangents in his mind when he thinks about, the all the possibilities that could happen to him as he goes home and certainly from the opening of the trailer it feels like his mom forced his dad to have him but he he inherited some hereditary thing and so what does that mean what does that imply so there's so many meanings just like his movies hereditary and midsummer they always have these like hidden meanings or multiple meanings when you're watching his film so this is exciting it doesn't feel like a straight-up horror but it certainly feels like a mental horror going on for him as he's experiencing all the stuff. But there were funny moments, so a good balance of both. It seems like. What do you think, Mike?
1: Yeah, I mean, totally. I was expecting something different. It definitely feels more like a, a reverent comedy than the other films. Um, Hereditary and Midsommar are horrifying movies uh in their each in their own special ways they're both great like i mean yeah. hereditary is a fucking wild ride and Midsommar even more so it's like that movie is all levels of fucked up like it just you watch it and you are unsettled for 90 percent of that movie um the other thing that is really fun about both of those movies is uh His movies are the type of movies that after you get out of the movie, you can read 95 articles about every painting that was on the wall, what this meant when this moment happened, this book on this person's shelf meant this. Like It is just a treasure trove of symbolism and, as John said, hidden meanings. So looking at this movie about somebody who is just dealing with the trauma of their life. Uh, I mean, I don't think that this character is the only character that when they go back home to visit their family, brings up a lot of shit. And so this is just that turned up to 11. And so I think unpacking all of that and what it means and what each one of these sort of fever dream journeys, hallucinations, alternate realities, like whatever it ends up being, um, this movie looks like the type of movie that you're going to go see, You're going to come out, you're going to go, that was some fucking shit. And then you're going to go home and you're going to read 95 articles so that you can explain to all your friends what it means when they go see the movie. Um, So I am really excited to be the guy that when someone is like, I saw that movie, I don't know what it is. I was like, well, the houses represented the different phases of his life. And the flat imagery was a reference to like, I'm going to be that guy. So I am excited to be that guy when this movie comes out. Oh boy, I
2: can't wait! Um, like, <laughs> like again, uh, uh, not being a fan of that type of psychological horror uh, uh, that Ari Oster has done in the past, um, this one because there is some comedy. I mean, you see sort of the the mental hurdles that mm. we have to go through when we're dealing with our past and with our families. Yeah. So uh, this definitely looks like something that <laughs> definitely something that it looks like I'll I will check out. Did you have something to add, Vogel?
1: I was wondering how much money it would cost to sit you down in the dark and have you watch either Hereditary or Midsommar or both. I
0: I mean, I will say this. We have talked about starting a Patreon for quite some time. That could be the upper tier where you get to watch a Shannon McClung watching a horror movie if you you, uh, donate at a certain level. That would be a fantastic perk, I think.
2: I mean, God help the lock on the door that you try <laughs> that you try to engage if it gets to a point where I'm like, okay, I'm done. I think this would be genius. And I'm into it. All right. I'm into it. I will you will lose your security deposit. <laughs> I will destroy that door. Well, <laughs> uh uh mids midsommar is coming out just a week after renfield on april bo. or as my co-host would yeah. say april 21st bo I mean, bo was afraid. Uh, afraid Bo was afraid. afraid yeah yeah oh sorry <laughs> i guess wow. i get so worried to my joke I lost guys we
1: really uh we really threw we really threw shannon for a loop here with this he's scared Whoa. now he's scared she broke me she's but it was the the Is coming out april
2: april 21st a week after renfield and that brings us to our final trailer which you will not have to convince me to sit down you won't have to lock anything i will gladly gladly watch this one this is the second trailer for you people this is from uh Jonah Hill and Kenya Barris, who is the creator of Blackish, this looks like a lot. This looks like just really, really funny. Incredibly stacked comedic cast with Jonah Hill, Lauren London, Eddie Murphy, Julia Louis-Dreyfus, Nia Long, David Duchovny. I mean, this just uh, you know, it is about the the uh, uh, ensuing complications uh, that that occur when a, a young Jewish man wants to marry a young black girl. And how their families try to interact. This had me laughing from moment one. Like the first teaser, it is literally just Jonah Hill sitting down with Eddie Murphy and Nia Long. And just the (laughs) awkwardness that is is just pouring off the table. Very, very funny. Getting to see the rest of the supporting cast. uh, Kenya Barris regular Dion Cole, who's an incredibly funny Um, stand-up. I think this looks fantastic but i will throw it over to you gentlemen what did you think of the second look at you people mike is our resident jewish person what did you think about wow
1: uh (laughs) okay um i think it looks great It, it looks really i mean what Kenyan barris does a great job i think of um You know, we live in a society where, like, as as anybody can tell you, spending two seconds on Twitter, like, we're pretty divided and everybody gets upset about what you see. Oh, well, you're too conservative, you're too liberal, you're too this, you're too that. Like, everybody is, like, walking on eggshells about what you should say or what you shouldn't say or let me say this or I don't want to say this or please let me say this. Like, there's just so much conversation about all of that all the time. And so having a movie that just sort of puts it all out there uh, for us to laugh at, I think is really important. I think it's actually a really great thing. I mean, yeah. when when Eddie Murphy is like, I got this hat from Louis Farrakhan, and Julia, <laughs> are you familiar with his work? And Julia Louis-Dreyfus is like, I'm familiar with what he said about the juice. And I was like, oh, this movie is, all right, we're in. Or or when Julia Louis-Dreyfus says at the end of the trailer, when she's like, well, well, like, like, at, like all people, we came to this country with nothing, and me along is like, this is a very uncomfortable conversation. Like, I was like, <laughs> oh, this is, this is going to be all the things. Like, I, I am, in, and it just looks like a really great story. I mean, what's what's really good, and like, what this movie seems to be, and why I'm excited to watch it is, it is, it is all commentary. It is all like, let's just throw this stuff out there. But at the end of it. It's a really... It looks like a sweet story. It looks like a very yeah. sweet story about two people that fall in love and they're like, look, we love each other. Our families are fucking insane. And I think that's, again, something that a lot of people can relate to right now. So I'm excited. Also, it looks like Eddie Murphy uh, back true to form. I, I'm glad that we are getting... I I love the first Coming to America movie. Coming to America, the sequel. Not really my jam. Um, but it's nice to see eddie murphy kind of coming back and stepping into roles that i'm like yeah these are the roles i want to see you do and looking really funny
0: yeah uh and certainly fantastic speech she gave you other night the cecil b DeMille award uh, at the golden goals which we'll talk about great ending with those three rules uh but yeah absolutely <laughs> i <really> loved <laughs> i love this trailer this is such this is so my wheelhouse right you guys some you know you guys know i talk about these things a uh, numerous shows about these oh. ideas of race relations and oh. <laughs> so but I also can laugh at it if you do it well. And this feels like something that is is done well. I mean, the chemistry alone between uh, uh Joan Hill and Sam J as they're going back and forth about the situation, about you know, him you know, I've never met and she says I never met anybody who need to be in a relationship more than drake and you do but well, you know it's just hilarious <laughs> water relationship more than you do other than drake and so it was really funny to see these shots being taken but there's genuine chemistry as well with uh loran yeah. he's he's that you get that well oh, this is actually a really sweet they actually really do seem to care about each other and like each other and that it was an accident and the way it all happened it's a great story then you throw on top of these things something that's going on and has been going on actually for a very long time: the Jewish community versus the Black community. These ideas of, uh, uh, you know, comments being made back and forth. That this battle has raged for decades in the world and certainly in this country. And. Recently with Kyrie Irving saying the things that he said. So this is something that's now on the front page or has been on the front page recently with some of the comments and people defending this thing and people going at these things. And so uh, there's a lot going on within both of those communities about how this relationship has morphed or evolved for decades in this country. So to have a film that comes out and. There, it's a comedy, but it's still speaking about the things that were really said, speaking about not being afraid to shy away from it, I think is really gutsy, man. I mean, I, I just love that they're willing to walk into the fray, find the things to make fun of because there's always hypocrisies or incongruent thought patterns in these kinds of things to pull them out and use them to have some comedy, but also to educate and maybe tell people like relax a little bit about this stuff. I think is actually a really good thing. And I also think, and I texted these guys this when we watched it, when I watched the trailer yesterday, like uh, Duchovny is going to steal every damn scene he's in. So the fact that he's just, I don't have to do much of the work. I'm just, there's comedic geniuses all around me. I just got to slide in underplay every line I say and slide on out. It's such a great situation for the So uh,
2: yeah, I'm looking forward to this very, very much.
0: You well, I
2: people, Huh? oh yeah. this isn't like two weeks you people will be on netflix on the 27th i believe yeah 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 yeah. all right all right well let's take a quick break there now that
0: we're done with all the trailers and we'll jump into a couple more stories uh right after this
2: let's all go to the movies oh
0: that's right that's right Unless it's a horror film, good job, good job, Shannon. All right, uh, Michael Vogel, <laughs> take us away, my man.
1: Uh, well, here, if you uh, here's something I didn't know. Um, oh. Glenn Powell, who most of us saw in Top Gun: Maverick, because the entire damn world saw Top Gun: Maverick, um, before he played second fiddle to Tom Cruise flying planes all over this year, um, he had co-written a film about Captain Planet. Um, with Warner Brothers, uh, it's a project that he had set up at Leonardo DiCaprio's, uh, Appian Way Productions, been working on it for a while. Um, now, if you don't know Captain Planet, yeah, I don't know what you've been primer. doing your entire life, but Captain Planet, he's our hero. He's going to take pollution down to zero. Um, <laughs> it was about five people who had some magic rings, earth, fire, wind, water, and inexplicably heart. They all made Captain Planet. He showed up every week. He saved the environment. Whoopi Goldberg was there. It was a blast. Everybody loved it. Um, But this version that Powell uh, and his writing partner, Jono Matt, wrote uh, was apparently a dark, irreverent, subversive take set years after the series Captain Planet, where Captain Planet was now a washed up has-been who needed the kids more than they needed him. So that is all by itself. I'm like, I'm into this um now like most things you know i mean we hear about this all the time like we cover this i mean we talk about it all the time with some dc movies even with some marvel projects like you hear about these projects that are in development we all get excited and then years and years and years go by you don't hear anything about it so now that glenn powell is kind of out and about he was asked about it on entertainment tonight um and he confirmed that captain planet is still alive they're waiting on warner to see what's going on um you know again if you're not aware warner brothers is uh in turmoil right now as they are figuring out what they're working on and what they're not working on so uh, he said look i think the conversations are happening shortly i know dicaprio super passionate i'm super passionate i think it could be great i want this to work i'd love to play that superhero so i do think you know like glenn powell uh, his star is basically is definitely on the rise so I do think that given where he's at in sort of uh, the Hollywood hierarchy, the chances of him playing a washed up Captain Planet are probably better now than they were before. Um, it definitely sounds like an interesting take. We definitely live in the era of, of reboots and reimagining. So, um, gentlemen, of all the things from the 80s that you would like to see, is Captain Planet on that list? Is this version of Captain Planet something you're interested in? And is Glenn Powell as Captain Planet something you would like to see?
2: The most I've seen of Captain Planet are the opening credits to his show, the animated show, which I promptly turned the channel because I had kind of outgrown it at that point. And the Don Cheadle sketch where Don Cheadle eviscerates everything in his path. So, um, you know, I don't know. I mean the the premise sounds funny that it's sort of a washed up superhero who who needs the people that used to empower him. It's, it's a funny premise. Um, Anything superhero based is going to require a little bit of a budget and glenn powell while his star is on the rise as a leading man i don't think he's quite been tested yet Mm. and is an expensive superhero comedy which outside of marvel um historically have not done well um is this is this going to work i'm not sure like i liked glenn powell and top gun but i didn't get the sense that He is this deep well of comedic talent. Now, I could be wrong. Maybe he's hilarious. Um, But just based off of what I have seen him in between devotion and Top Gun, that is that is not the sense that I get. I would I love to see it? Absolutely. I mean, the dude has the build of a superhero. I mean, his name is has been popped up with, you know, rumors for Johnny Storm and Fantastic Four. So the dude looks like a superhero. Could this work? Maybe. But also, I just, you know, Captain Planet is one of those properties that it did not. Once it was gone, it was kind of gone. So I don't know if, if the nostalgic audience is enough to justify what the movie could potentially cost. Michael, you and Shannon
0: are very close in age. Did you, Did does his excuse ring true to you? Growing out of Captain Planet 2? No, I
1: actually, I actually cared about the planet and uh, the environment. So I did watch the show. I guess Shannon uh, crumpled up a bunch of aluminum cans, threw them in the garbage and changed the channel when he saw someone saving the planet.
2: I lit styrofoam on fire.
1: <laughs> I mean, I will say, I look, I look, I I in oh, Shannon's defense, I don't think I ever stopped watching cartoons at any point in my life. So when point. Shannon when Shannon veered into I'm gonna try and be a cool kid and watch only cool things, I never had that phase. Uh so I I I was there the whole time. I will say, like, Captain Planet yeah. was never my favorite show. Just structurally, it always drove me crazy because you had five characters who were kind of interesting and had their flaws and their challenges, and they each had a really cool ability. Um, and then when things got bad, they all just called Captain Planet, and he showed up in the very end of the show, and he did a bunch of really cool stuff, and then he disappeared again. And so I was like, you never really got a chance to know Captain Planet as a character. The kids were more interesting, but then the kids never got to save the day because Captain Planet showed up, and he was kind of annoying. So the structure of the show was always inexplicable to me. But... Um, As I was just saying in a meeting uh, for work yesterday, even the shows in the 80s and 90s that I thought were kind of dumb, I clearly still watch because I remember everything about all of them.
0: Yeah, yeah, fair point. This screams disaster to me on so many (laughs) levels. To be honest with you, I mean, it's not that I, I, you know, I, I think I rate Glenn Powell a little more highly than Shannon does, but I don't. But I also know I haven't seen him really kind of command the screen. Yeah, he's cool in Top Gun Maverick, but you've also got Miles Teller and Tom Cruise like really taking the the ball there. And in Devotion, Jonathan Majors is outshining him throughout that whole movie. And so uh, I, I haven't seen him quite step up to the plate. So, but something like this, if you cast the right five other characters around him and he's the sad sack and he's kind of playing second fiddle to them, then I think it might have a shot at working but this feels like a massive disaster. And it feels weird well, that DiCaprio would be involved, even though he is very environmentally conscious for sure, has causes, goes and raises money for it. It just seems an odd approach because he's been very well, clear that he never wants anything to do with superheroes or superhero content. So it'd be fascinating if he was
1: also with just to be work. really clear. I mean, let's just, yeah. when you ask, like, there are so many projects that are in development and when yeah. you have a production company you have so many projects that you are working on at any given time that when somebody is asked in an interview what's going on with that project and they say hey DiCaprio's still into it I'm still into it we're just waiting yeah. to hear from Warner Brothers that doesn't actually mean very much right. there's not like that doesn't there's not a lot of uh anything behind that statement it's right. cool, it's sort of one of those like yeah like that i have five projects in development right now with the studio that i work with and if you ask me about any of them my answer would be like yeah they still seem pretty passionate about it we're really excited i would love to make that happen i don't know that any of them are going to and that's as much information as glenn Powell seems to have
0: yeah i think rogue squadron is in that uh, conversation as well from what i understand All all right let's take a quick break and then we'll jump into our third
2: topic uh we'll see if captain planet ever sees the light of day but (laughs) if i only knew the theme to captain planet i would hum it right here
0: (laughs) gonna take pollution down to zero wow That's (laughs) that's good i like that Um, All right, let's move on to another franchise here, um, uh, and that is the Planet of the Apes franchise. (laughs) I'm saying the Captain Planet burgeoning franchise, possibly, but uh, (laughs) this is the uh, Planet of the Apes franchise here. Uh, This uh, exclusive was dropped just a couple days ago on Deadline and other outlets that William H. Macy, that's right, William H. Macy, the dapper, debonair William H. Macy, will be rounding out the cast for Kingdom of the Planet of the Apes that is already starring Owen Teague, Freya Allen, and Peter Macon, and it is being directed by Wes Ball. Now, uh, the Wes Ball aspect of it, oh, I'm not a Maze Runner person, but certainly that mouse uh, thing that he that, that he released, the nine minutes he released that they ended up scuttering, looked pretty awesome. So the fact that this is his next project and they're handing him this idea of bringing this for and this is a few years after the last one and i mean it has been what five years or six years now that we're in 2023 since the last one of the apes installment but in the actual franchise itself timeline wise it has been a few years since the last film as well so what condition do we find the planet in what condition do we find the apes in the humans in it's a lot of questions about where we're walking into and kind of like transformers uh kind of re essence, kind of soft maybe possibly rebooting itself with the most recent installment coming up soon you're getting this feeling that they're kind of doing a semi kind of soft reboot of it all by eliminating all the actors from before and starting over again with a bunch of new actors but staying within the timeline of the world that they've been establishing since the um, james franco planet of the apes one i think in 2011 or 2009 so gentlemen what are your thoughts on the idea of william h macy coming into this remember he just finished shameless 11 seasons on shameless um, and certainly an actor with much renown, but uh, what do you think about him stepping into the role here? Do you like his element, or his energy rather, coming in to be a part of this uh, franchise, in this film?
2: I mean, the previous three films, they've done a really good job at casting, you know, the, hu- the, the, the human characters mm. um, to really kind of anchor the film, even though the apes, the apes are the stars of those movies. I mean, but like with, with you know, James Franco to jason clark and gary oldman to woody harrelson like they've always had really really strong actors and william h macy is is right there i mean this is this is a a a a leading man this is a guy who has who has done this before he's an interesting character actor you've seen the breath that he can play Mm -hmm. and you know going forward in the story where we left off with uh war um you know what's going to happen like are, are the humans right. all continually getting kind of uh slower uh you know in terms in terms of their intellect i mean that's it's 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 an interesting premise and he's an interesting he's an interesting leading man i think it's more going to go to what you just talked about john which is yeah. the west ball factor now i'm also yeah. like you I'm, i've seen a little bit of uh the maze runner um not really not really my thing um, but it got enough of a got enough of an audience to you know to what they did three of them I think yeah um so you know it, it it's interesting and because I don't know if this this deal was kind of in the works before Disney acquired Fox but you know Disney definitely understands the value in this particular franchise and one would think one would hope that they are they are treating it well because they've seen what has happened if when when, uh if you if you rush if you rush certain aspects of a franchise and the fact that they have taken this long to kind of do that next chapter i mean i like the whole recasting i mean because if we're literally doing this this history of the apes and so naturally the older characters would die off and we're now going to see their kids so i think as a concept it's interesting Mike, what are your
1: thoughts on yeah, that? Yeah, I mean, from a recasting standpoint, there's nobody to really keep. I mean, Andy Serkis yeah. uh, is is really the only one that would matter. And the whole his trilogy, uh, Caesar's trilogy, sort of ends with War of the Planet of the Apes. Like, literally, like, that's, he's Moses. He doesn't get to see the Promised Land. Like, that's how the trilogy ends. So uh, there's not, and, and in each of the movies, the humans have never really been the, um, the connective tissue at all. It's always a new sort of human thing, so none of that seems weird to me. Um, I think William H. Macy sounds great. It is really, the Planet of the Apes uh, series is so funny because I think that, I think that the Planet of the Apes, the new Planet of the Apes trilogy is uh, a trilogy that people sleep on all the time. Like Mm -hmm. that, it's a trilogy that has no right to be as good as it is. I remember when Rise of Planet of the Apes came out, it got dropped in August, whatever year it came out. We all went to go see it at the Arclight And I was assuming that it was going to be, oh, I love the Planet of the Apes movies, the old one. This will be fun, but it's probably going to be horrible. Because when you drop a big movie in August in the summertime, usually that means, ah, we knew it wasn't great. Let's just see what money we can get for it. And the fact that that movie was so good blew me away. And then the fact that Reeves delivered, like, this trilogy that was just absolutely spectacular. I mean, I I think it's like, I I think it is an A-plus trilogy. Um... Now, going into like brand new director a few years later, what is this going to be? It's like this was a trilogy that I never thought was going to be as good as it was going to be in the first place. So I'm kind of like, all right, let's see what happens. Like If you totally whiff the ball, we still have this amazing Reeves trilogy. We, all, we, all, we have these amazing movies that uh, completely kicked ass. But I think Planet of the Apes as a concept really just does have this staying power. It's something that we've always found interesting. The original yeah. movies... You got more movies out of that than you should have. And we've always kind of loved it. The less said about the Tim Burton reboot, the better. Um, But what's interesting and what I'm kind of intrigued by, and it'll be interesting to see, like, I think it's in the the first movie in Rise of Planet of the Apes. They do mention that there is a spaceship that went into space that did Mm. disappear and they don't know what happened to it. So there was always sort of this promise that at some point we were going to kind of catch up to what the original Planet of the Apes story was. That So what I'm curious about with William H. Macy, kind of Shannon's point, and actually any of the human characters in this new movie is, are we going to sort of still kick that down the curve and just tell more stories about uh, the ape civilization rising as the human civilization kind of falls apart? Yeah. Or... You know, you look at William H. Macy and you're like, ah, you have a little bit of a Heston look to you maybe. Like, are you going to play an astronaut? Like, are we going to – are you going to be the guy that, like, this spaceship lands and we get to see uh, where the ape civilization is? But we've watched it all happen with this first trilogy. So I get really excited about it. Like, i I – I'm setting myself up, because I'm also not necessarily a Maze Runner person, setting myself up to be disappointed. But I love these movies so much, uh, including the original ones when I was a kid. I just loved the concept so much that I would love to see where this goes. I would love Disney to sort of take this and run with it and it become, like, another one of their major franchises. Like, I'd be down for a Planet of the Apes Disney Plus TV series. Like, I am on board for more apes. So I'm very curious uh, and cautiously excited even though I know I'm probably going to be mad at myself for being excited
0: <laughs> yeah it's interesting yeah I, I agree with the, the whole recasting thing as well that you brought up Shannon and, I, and I'm looking forward to it because I and I wonder what role Macy's going to play is he going to be the lead is he is because Owen Teague is certainly a, a young actor on the come up here from the stand from it and a number of other projects so maybe you know and and you you get you bring a director in who is directed young adult stuff which is in essence what Maze Runner is so it's kind of, you know, you're you essentially, re as I said, soft rebooting it with a younger cast so you can have them on for the next few films. So what do you do with Macy? Is Macy uh, like the grizzled vet that's still alive that remembers what happened with the apes before? Is he going to be a mocap? Is he going to play an ape? I mean, someone's yeah. got to take the place of Caesar. And uh, so who is going to come forward as the person to be the mocap person for this kind of thing? So it opens up a lot of doors when you cast a versatile and talented extremely talented actor like william h macy any number of directions you can go on with him so it's a nice gravitas to add to the cast because the other the all the people in the other cast we've seen a number of projects but macy brings a kind of weight to it that i think will be good to anchor this whole thing so I, yeah i'm excited Ooh, i feel
1: like i might go watch that trilogy this weekend now i'm back on board gotta, it's been a minute since i watched it i gotta go back in yeah it's a crime that war didn't do better
0: because war is a damn good film Man, it's so frustrating that War didn't do Um, All right. Well, there you go. Let's uh, take a break, and we're going to jump into our main topic, which is talking about the Golden Globes, uh, winners and losers, the snubs, and the uh, uh, SAG Award nominations as well right after
2: this. That's
0: good. That's good stuff. That's good stuff.
2: Thank you. Thank you, John. (laughs) Thank you for your support. I
0: tried to be supportive. Um, Let's get into the winners. Uh, Let's get to go to gloves. This happened over the weekend. Of course, there was a lot of controversy uh, with what happened with the Hollywood foreign press over the last couple of years. This was their first time back. Uh, Jared Carmichael was the host, not a well-known comic, certainly known within the bubble of Hollywood, but not in the mainstream, but a black comic and certainly spoke to that of why he was, Booked on the show and and what have you and but um, you know it, it made some jokes and some people liked them some people didn't A little bit of controversy the ratings have come out sadly twenty six percent below what it was the last time it was on television and so a number of people are wondering what the future is going to be for the Golden Globes but that being said I feel like it was a wonderful night where a lot of people got recognized for their work and rightfully so in a number of great projects like Michelle Yao like Kay Hugh. Hu Quan, I have so much trouble. Kiwi Quan, Ki Hu Quan. Sorry about Kwan. that. Ki Hu Quan. All right, I'm, I'm, I'm just going to embarrass myself more. So, I'm gonna, Mr. Quan, one. Minsamar,
2: Minsamar. <laughs> yeah, right.
0: One for uh, there as well. Eddie Murphy, as I mentioned, was not, was uh, honored with the Cecil B. DeMille Award. Abbott Elementary, one. Quinta Brunson, won. There are a number of people across the spectrum here. Steven Spielberg, won for best which was really interesting uh and um uh, colin farrell won uh tom cruise did not win and probably a number of reasons for that so there were a number of things to celebrate here and enjoy there was some nice humor it seemed like it was nice to have people back uh ryan murphy delivered a wonderful speech of allyship there and accepting his award whatever my feelings are about the Dahmer series. At least it was a wonderful speech from Ryan. So a lot of people coming in and taking center stage and speaking about the positive positivity of film and television, and people being excited to be back in uh, in a, uh, um, a public way uh, in this situation. So, guys, your thoughts on the Golden Globes, your thoughts on the winners, your thoughts on the wonderful speeches that were delivered. What's your feelings overall about the Golden Globes now as we've had a few days away from them?
2: I mean, the speech, the acceptance speech of Kiwi Huy Kwan is, you know, I think that's probably the one that everyone will be talking about for a while. Mm. Um, you know, this is his, his return to the big screen is just something no one, nobody could have predicted. Yeah. And listening to interviews with him where he recently had, had said like, yeah, I was, I was looking for representation. <laughs> like I he wasn't able to find an agent yeah. and he, he, you know, got, got hooked up with someone, within 2 weeks they got this call about everything everywhere all at once and you know like he he has a, a couple of acting projects lined up afterward he's going to be in the Disney Plus series coming out soon um called American Born Chinese but um just and watching
1: and Loki season 2 and, and Loki, Loki season and Loki 2 right
2: two. um but uh watching him just the the earnestness in his voice that this is just 30 years after 30 years after the fact, you know, he, he he's come back and he's come back with a vengeance and, uh, you know, thanking Steven Spielberg, like, even though I I, I would be on the same page with you, John, I would not have given Spielberg best director for the Fablemans, yeah. um, watching him be in the room and Kiwi Kwan getting to say thank you. And then the, the way There's he thanked you. his wife at the end. I mean, it was just oh, yeah. it was just a beautiful beautiful speech, but also with Angela Bassett winning, you know, Marvel has its first acting award like that's a, that's a huge, huge, that's a huge thing. Um, and seeing that she, uh, you know, it th- that was just that was awesome. And Michelle Yeoh winning for best support or uh, uh, best actress. Um. Yeah. I'm. Mean, I'm generally not an award show watcher. Mm. Um. But looking at the winners, looking at the people who won, it was. It, it. It didn't make me really happy. But Kiwi Kwan is definitely the. The top of that.
0: Yeah, Mike. I mean, people have been going at award shows now for the last few years. It's been the mainstream thing to bash them. It's a bunch of millionaires giving each other trinkets and whatever. But when you see these speeches, when you see the genuine emotion of these speeches michelle Yao talking about how when she came to america uh, as an actress uh, she you know they said you're a minority and she was like oh i don't think so have you seen asia you know this idea that having <laughs> to confront these things and do you oh wow you speak english so well and she made a joke about learning the language on the plane ride over so these are these things that they're confronting and they're speaking openly about in ways that they couldn't before and then you look at ki hui kwan and the things that he said talking and it was it was uh, if you're an actor you know what he's talking about this idea of like just because people have you in their minds for one role it doesn't mean you consistently worked for the rest of your life you still have to struggle and new executives come in and don't know your work or you haven't been around for a bit so why would they cast you uh, so there was so much in these speeches that i think were genuine and heartfelt and touching and so i think it kind of pushes away that narrative a little bit that it's just a bunch of millionaires handing each other drinks because a lot of people in the room are not millionaires so you know, what did you think about the Golden Globes and the speeches and the overall reaction to it
1: yeah I mean look I I like the the people who are always like oh it's a bunch of millionaires giving each other awards and pats on the back and like yeah sure it's you're not wrong I mean sure not everyone in that room is a millionaire but yeah there's a lot of people in there in that room that have a ton of money but they're still doing work and no yeah. matter if you have like $5 in your bank account or $5 million in your bank account. It's nice to be told you're doing a good job. Um so like, you know, the the movie industry, the television industry, the entertainment industry at large, like whatever you do in your life, chances are you're enjoying some TV show or some movie and like so the people that work on those things getting recognized for what they do. Like I people who get mad about it I'm like don't watch it then. I don't know what to tell you. I had a blast. I thought it was great. My favorite part about the Golden Globes specifically is that everybody gets wasted. That's really the <laughs> yes. best part about the Golden yes. Globes, because they're all sitting at those tables. They're all drinking the whole time. So you can just really track the night by watching all of the presenters and everybody getting their awards, getting drunker and drunker. Mike White's accepted speech for White Lotus was oh at least God. a bottle of champagne in. Like I, like, I was like, this is great. Um <laughs> So I, I like that's one of the things like with the, like that is very very enjoyable about the globe specifically um yeah, I mean Shannon said it I mean you know just kicking off the night I mean Kiwi Quanm was like the very first award and yeah the guy who played Data and Short Round getting to come up on stage talking about his experience and getting to look at Spielberg in the audience and be like, this was great when we did this and now look at me here. You're like, that was great. Followed up immediately by Angela Bassett winning, which is like, oh, holy shit, that's awesome. Like, you know, regardless of whether or not Wakanda forever surpassed Black Panther or not as far as quality, her performance in that movie just was like, out of control. And so yeah. the fact that she got recognized for that. And then I think much much like a sports game... I've heard, uh, you know, things are not always fun when it's a blowout, when, when when one thing takes everything and you're just like, okay, whatever. And I think the Globes are really great because it really was evenly balanced. I mean, everything, everywhere, all at once between Ki Hui Kwan and Michelle Yeoh, definitely recognized. Um, but Banshees of Inisherin got a whole lot of love, you know, like just, yeah. and then even though Spielberg getting best director of her Fablemans might not have been my choice, I thought his speech that he gave about how long it took him to be ready to make this movie that was very personal was a great speech. I mean, him kind of standing at like the the maybe the director of our, uh, of our generation kind of standing up and saying, look, all of these things I dealt with as a kid, there was a little bit of it in Jaws. There was a little bit of it in this movie. There was a little like I touched on it but I never faced it head on and it wasn't until the pandemic that I was really ready to tackle this movie. Uh, And it is a very personal movie. Like I think the Fablemans is interesting because, and you know, Shannon and I and our friend blue uh, all saw it together and we're all big Spielberg fans. I don't think that it rises to one of the greatest Spielberg movies ever made, but I think that if you are a lover of Spielberg and you're going through his films you kind of have to watch Fableman's because it is the, this is how I became Steven Spielberg movie. Um, And I kind of feel like he won because we're giving Steven Spielberg an award be like, buddy, you made a lot of movies for us in the past 30 years. You cast Kiwi Kwan. You did a lot of really good stuff. Congratulations. (laughs) Uh, On the TV side, like White Lotus being recognized, Elementary being recognized, totally made me happy. I think those are two of the best shows of the past couple years. So... Uh, and just and to your point, John, um, the diversity of it all, you know, like it yes. really does feel like we are finally not look, the Hollywood Foreign Press had a lot to make up for uh, yeah. as far as diversity went. Um, but I think that looking at the spread of winners across the board, you were like, yeah, this is kind of how this should look. This, yeah. this, this seems more correct to me. Yeah, I
0: thought so too, and it was nice to see that people were very like even Guillermo del Toro winning for Pinocchio, which by the way is incredible. If you haven't watched that on Netflix, memory, please take your time and
1: watch except, that movie. Except for the songs, except for the oh, songs. oh Jesus Christ, you're the only person I hear talking. I know, about. I know. Look, I love the movie. I love. I I love even more that Guillermo del Toro stood on stage and said animation is a medium, not a genre, uh, That's which what I was is my favorite that. thing that he said. Yeah. But yes,
0: yeah, yeah, exactly, and, and I agree, and. I thought it was a great moment for him to be able to say that and also playfully talk about how everyone is drunk and everything. So, yeah, it was a much more relaxed thing. I know people like the Gervais coming in and taking the piss out of everybody, but you're right. At the end of the day, man, people who don't know this business, who have never been in this business, they don't know how hard people work. And, yes, there are people who take advantage of those situations. There are people who are jerks. Guess what? They're in every fucking job. The guy who's the foreman on the job, he's kind of a dick sometimes. Yes, he abuses his power. Or the boss you might have working at your at the AMPM is kind of a jerk. Guess what? That's across the board. No matter what your that, job is, you're going to find. We, I'm just you saying, reach, you're you reach for something
1: rate. and your first your first one with the AMPM. You're like, what am I going to pull? Like, what's the? <laughs> uh, is it the Waffle House? Should I do Waffle House? Should what, I do Ross? the the shots?
0: AMPM,
1: AMPM. That's shit it
0: about the Waffle House after the fight. No thanks. I'm staying away from that. I don't want a chair across my face. Um, But you see this whole thing. People complain about this stuff and they want to create these narratives about people in the industry. And most people are just struggling and fighting and trying to book the next job so they can pay their mortgage or pay their rent or, you know, provide for their kids. That's what a majority of the people are. Yeah, what you see is the actors and the glitz and all that. But there are other people in the room who made that all happen. And I thought Austin Butler's speech was really sweet as well. You know, people making jokes that Elvis is still in possession of him with how
1: he's speaking. I mean, but for I'm- real, though, he got up and he was like, ladies and gentlemen, I'd like to thank y'all for this award. And I was like, wait, I thought, <laughs> is that? I was very
2: confused. He's from everyone. the South, Southern yeah. California. Southern
0: California. <laughs> thank you very much.
2: Uh, but yeah, I mean, there was a genuine
0: joy because, I mean, Austin talking about how Denzel stumped for him here's a black actor stumping for a young white actor to give him an opportunity to get into a film like this and shock the world and deliver a phenomenal performance that was now uh, recognized by the golden Globes and possibly will be nominated for an oscar as well so there's a lot here to really I- enjoy and um savor and i thought it was nice to be like and i already see the articles i've seen the articles from the right-wing, po- oh, Woke, Golden Globe, Sinks, Ratings, blah, blah, blah. That's, it's, it has nothing to do with it being Woke, but, it was because... You know what's so
1: dumb about that? I mean, like, really, like, I mean, like, like, because I, I do think, like, take all of Race out of it for a minute. I mean, sure. like, 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 just like, 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 whether or not, whether or not you think that it's great that it was diverse, or you think it was too Woke yeah. that it was diverse, like, when you actually look at the performances, like, I... I've said this several times. I think Everything, Everywhere, All at Once is my favorite movie of the year. Those two winning best, uh, like Angela Bassett and Wakanda Forever was fucking awesome. Abbott Elementary is easily one of the few network comedies that's actually successful right now. So like when you start to go... But but what I'm saying is, forget oh, yeah, that. Sorry, sorry, forget forget sorry, whether it's diverse or not. Yes, like right, right. Abbott Elementary is just fucking funny. So yes, like you know, when you start to look at who's winning the awards, you don't go, oh wow, they just did that because they were trying to score some points with the left. You're like, no, like that's literally the best people. Like the, the best people are winning regardless of uh, skin color, nationality, anything like that. So what was great about it is. What no, Like, put the put a fact aside that I feel that it was very diverse and it was great. What was great about it is I actually felt like the right people won. You know, sometimes you watch the award shows and, like I said, when it's a sweep and if you didn't like that movie, like some uh, – what was the year? Crash. Yeah. Crash like when, when Crash <laughs> won Best Picture. You know, but like when a movie sort of sweeps and everyone's winning and you're like, I – why, why? These aren't the best performances of the year. This isn't it. The Golden Globes, actually, and what I really enjoyed about watching it this year is you kind of went through. And although I maybe didn't agree with every single winner, for the most part, you're like, yeah, those people, that was one of the best performances. That was one of the best shows. Like, yeah, people were loving that. So I felt really good just from a talent and creative standpoint about who was winning those awards.
0: Yeah, ditto. Well, let's move on to the SAG Awards here. Uh, These nominations were uh, released, and the big news around the SAG Awards is at the last minute, they announced that they were going to be on Netflix. They're going to be on the Netflix YouTube channel this year, but in 2024, they will be on Netflix itself. So a fascinating turn of events here for the SAG Awards. Um, And I will say this because I occasionally like to toot my own horn. Three years ago on Collider Movie Talk, I said, don't be surprised when these award shows start showing up on YouTube because the ratings are going down. So here's the first one to show up on YouTube, uh, Netflix. uh, Oh, sorry, the uh, SAG Awards. Don't be surprised if the Oscars down the road ends up on ABC's YouTube channel or something like that. I'm just putting it out there. I, or a streaming. I don't service. like to.
1: I don't like to toot your own horn, Roca. But uh, yeah. in the
0: past, haven't you been a celebrity spotter for the SAG Awards? I have been, but I'm telling a truth. I loved being a part of the SAG Awards for a while. It was great. It was a nice little uh, paycheck. Sa- the SAG Awards cool.
1: was the first time that I got to walk a red carpet. Oh, see, there you go. Shandy as a, as a PA, Awards. as a PA in a tuxedo who had to go get George Clooney and bring him inside. <laughs> Mr. Clooney, you have to come inside now. That was that was my big moment. <laughs> What's that? What's that? Okay.
0: Smooth little Clooney with his Nespresso. That's right. Uh, but anyway, these sag so it's a good news for the saga wars are going to be on Netflix. We'll see if this increases the viewership, increases the attention for the show in 2024. But this seems, I think, this is the beginning of a trend of this happening. Yeah. As we just saw, the ratings for the Golden Globes 26% lower than what it was before. People just don't seem to have the taste for these anymore, but they still deserve to have some kind of uh, spotlight on them. So why not put them on a streaming service uh, and let them have their highlights. So for the 29th annual SAG awards here, a lot uh, was uh, a lot of these uh, performances were recognized, but I got to throw in some surprises. Adam Sandler being nominated for the hustle on Netflix. Uh, Interesting. Uh, But Michelle Williams, not nominated for the Fableman's. This is her peers, the SAG Awards, not nominating Michelle Williams. I'm on record as saying that to me that was a cartoonish performance in the Fablemans, and so I, I'm not I'm okay with her not being nominated, but I think it says volumes that the SAG Awards did not nominate her performance, and the other critics' services or other critics' organizations have. Hung Chow got nominated for The Whale. She totally deserved it. Stephanie Hsu got nominated for Everything, Every, All and Once. I thought was great. As well, Babylon got some love for for Ensemble.
2: I still just, have, no, yes. Right. I, I literally just finished watching it when I started it last week. <laughs> that Babylon. movie is Babylon.
1: Uh, hey, yo. How, uh, Go ahead. Uh, I haven't watched Babylon yet for this very reason. Is Why? all of you people, all of you people are like, oh, oh God not me i loved it uh, up until the end i
0: thought it was a blast up until the end when they made a certain decision with these two main characters i was like this makes no fucking sense why are you doing this but that everything was a, up until that moment i thought was a great fucking insane run that was
2: a three-hour movie they could have had an hour cut out easy <laughs>
0: <There you laughs> <gotta> go. easy <laughs> mikey i think you might like it honestly i think you might all like right it. We'll, all we'll right see. Because there have been those defenders. There are people who are defending it on the critic side of things who think it's actually a damn good film. But we'll see. But anyway, a Glass Onion got snubbed. Elvis, the cast, got snubbed. The Woman King cast got snubbed. And the Black Panther, Wakanda Forever cast got snubbed. Michelle Williams wasn't nominated. Only Paul Dano is, but yet the entire ensemble got nominated. So very confusing, some of these nominations. House of the Dragon wasn't nominated for the SAG Awards no surprise that yellowstone wasn't nominated i mean it's you're not you're not gonna be surprised it's very leftist sag awards you're not gonna nominate. except
1: it wasn't yellowstone last year was nominated
0: uh, 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 were they nominated for last year for for ensemble
1: i thought so i might be wrong
2: but like i mean but the the franchise wasn't completely shut out because sam Elliott was nominated for 18 for 1883 though which they you know kind of a
0: different uh thing you're right there uh, Dominic West and Melda Staunton were not nominated for the crown. Rhea Seahorn was not nominated for Better Call Saul. And she has been on a a crest of a wave of people really appreciating her work in Better Call Saul. So that was a bit of a surprise. Tyler James Williams, who just won the Golden, Globes, uh, uh, Golden Globe, but uh, didn't get nominated. Cheryl Lee Ralph wasn't nominated either uh jonathan banks did get nominated for better call Saul, so a lot of people were happy about that and anthony kerrigan for barry i thought henry winkler delivered the performance of this season uh as an uh, as the uh a supporting actor but i was su- so i was surprised to see anthony kerrigan uh get the rub and steve carell got nominated for the patient which has not gotten a lot of buzz and a lot of eyes on it but was a damn good show with him and Dom Nugleason. so Guys, what are your thoughts on the SAG uh, Awards going to Netflix and then some of these surprises and snubs?
2: I mean, I really think that – let me find it here. I think the the category to watch, for me at least, mm-hmm. is going to be the Outstanding Performance by a Female Actor in a Comedy Series. Oh. Um, because the, the nominees do um, resemble slightly the Golden Globes, but there are some yeah. – like uh, uh, Selena Gomez – did not get nominated for the SAG Award, which I think was right. I, I I don't think she's great in that show. Yeah. And yeah. Uh, Christina Applegate for Dead to Me did get nominated. And this last season of Dead to Me, she's she's outstanding. And also mm-hmm. Rachel Brosnahan popped up for the marvelous Mrs. Maisel. and you know, we have yeah. the repeats of Quinta Brunson, Jen Ortega, and Gene Smart. I mean, that is a powerhouse group yeah. of of performers. And while I do love Quinta Brunson, I mean, I, I I have a hard time not giving it to Jenna Ortega. Yeah, for just Wednesday. because of how much I loved I loved Wednesday. Yeah.
1: Right. Or oh. uh, yeah, I mean, I think that is one of the uh, that is one of the categories that uh, I think. Like you look at all of them, and some of a lot of them, and I think this is what's nice about the SAG Awards is you do see a lot of people nominated that aren't necessarily in like the big things that have all the buzz. That like maybe an understated performance because it is. Uh, sort of being judged by your peers and they are looking uh, at things in a slightly different way. So I do think like seeing, it's two different things. Like one, I'm glad that the SAG Awards are on Netflix now. I'm glad they found a home. We have a lot of friends who work on the SAG Awards. And I know they were very stressed about it. So I'm very happy for them that, uh, that that all worked out in the 11th hour. And the SAG Awards over the past few years has become one of those things. Um, if you do like award shows and you love like looking at who wins the awards, like leading up to the Oscars, Uh, Critics' Choice Golden Globes has always been an indicator and SAG Awards and you kind of look and like when somebody sort of kind of goes through and wins all of them you're like all right, that's pretty much a lock or you can sort of see oh well it's going to come down to this versus this it's going to be interesting so I think that's good and so it's, it's a nice indicator of what's to come but you do get some sort of outside of left field things As far as what Shannon was saying in that female actor, like, I I think I got to go Quinta Brunson. Rachel Brosnahan in Marvelous Miss Maisel really just does the Lord's work every season on that show. I mean, she is such a powerhouse. Um, Jenna Ortega is absolutely fantastic. But, like, you kind of go through, like, that is just one of those categories where you're like, everyone is good. Um, Wherever this goes, I'm going to be happy. I think I probably, like, lean towards Quinta Brunson just because I think what she does in Abbott Elementary is kind of... uh, you can almost overlook what, how good it is that she's doing what she's doing. Um, yeah. it's a little understated, but yeah, throughout all of this, it going to be really interesting to see some of the snubs are interesting. The Michelle Williams thing is interesting. I don't, I don't know that I would go so far as to say I found her performance cartoony the way you do, but I definitely had moments where I was like, I would say that her performance took me out of it. Uh, I was like in the <laughs> moment watching it. And then I was like, okay, that was, that was a choice. Um, yeah, I, I, like, I love award season. So the more award shows, yeah. the better. I love talking about this and seeing who won this and who won that. And like we were saying with the Golden Globes, I love a good acceptance speech. When someone yeah. gets up and just thanks a bunch of people and then walks off stage, I'm like, well, okay, you kind of waste your time. But like, when you get up there and you really swing for the rafters in your speech and you knock it out of the park, I get very excited. I love a good speech.
0: Yeah. I'm just, yeah. I mean, to me, it's like, well, you're looking at the the two things that I have is I, I don't, I, the, the, I don't know. I, I, the bias against Tom Cruise, I I, just, I really have a hard time with that sometimes. And to see the SAG Awards, I, look, Adam Sandler was fine, good and Hustle. Uncut Gems is the performance you nominate for, right? I thought he was good and Hustle. Certainly very moving. Had some great... He's a good actor. Really good actor when he does drama. But this is... What Tom Cruise did in Top Gun Maverick is something that deserves much more recognition than it's getting, much more love than it's getting. And to, to, to lock him out by his own peers, I just think is a bit unfair, you know, and uh, it's it a bit frustrating to look at the situation and see that happen. And when you look at, when you look at Outstanding Performance by a cast in a motion picture, how is one person not But the Fableman's in there? The Woman King is not in there? Wakanda Forever's not in there? Uh, Elvis is not in there? They, you know, to me, there's just so, it's just it's just like, I, I don't understand how you make that kind of uh, decision when you're looking at this thing. So it, it is frustrating. You could even it really not uh, babylon is three or four people you know and so you're just like okay well are those three or four people really better than what you saw in some of these other movies so it just it just is a little bit frustrating when you see some of the it, bias
2: here in it's those, it's in a volume argument situations. with babylon yeah right there's you're just getting so a many lot people. of performance like
0: everybody was in there yeah like doing <laughs> yeah, nominated
2: like really, for best ensemble but yeah go
0: ahead. Uh,
1: so two things one i mean i think that when it comes to outstanding ensemble it it That is a very broad category. I think no Mm -hmm. one, including the people that are voting on the psych awards, know quite what to do with that. Like, you're basically saying, well, we need a best picture and a best TV show category, but we're not going to do a best picture and TV show because we're just acting. So it kind of ends up being ensemble. But what does that really mean? Like, what performances are weighed more than others? Um, Because, look, Fablemans is a great ensemble cast. Like, there's a bunch of really solid performances. There's a couple... Less good in there, um, but I don't disagree with you that I think Woman King is a fucking kick ass ensemble cat Like, so you, it's it's hard to say. Uh, so that one's always a little bit like, yeah, okay, well, all right. Um, I, to your other point, I will just say I love Tom Cruise. Uh huh. I think Tom Cruise is amazing. I think he is one of the few remaining out and out movie stars that we have in movie. Like he, the dude can open a movie the dude can jump off a cliff on a motorcycle he can do yep. all the things i love top gun maverick i thought it was great i do think it's a great movie i don't know that tom cruise is doing anything in that movie that he hasn't done in every other like he's very charming but like i wouldn't say
2: <laughs> like rip rip the green screen down johnny
1: i don't i don't know that I don't know that Tom Cruise is stretching his acting chops in Top Gun: Maverick. What
0: what is what is Adam Sandler doing in the hustle in Hustle that he didn't
1: do in Uncut Gems? I'm not I'm not talking about Adam Sandler. I'm talking yeah, I'm like I'm he's not the
0: one that might have taken the spot that Cruise could have gotten is what I'm saying.
1: I think that if you took Adam Sandler out, there are multiple performances that I would put in as the best singular performance of the year before Tom Cruise and Maverick. Wow. That is just... (laughs) And I loved it. Like, I think... But it's like, it gets to one of those things. No, it gets to one of those things where you're like, like, did Tom Cruise understand the assignment? A hundred percent. Did he do 100% exactly what you need to do in that role? Yes. Did he do it with charm? Did he make you love Tom Cruise all over again? Did he like... Is is he part of the reason that movie is like a box office juggernaut? All those things are true. Well, it's yeah, but I mean, it's a well-written movie. It is a well-directed he is the main movie. Reason are,
0: that film made one point five billion dollars. The main reason, number one,
1: per, yeah, he is one of the big reasons for sure. Um, Devotion but,
0: had just as many fighter jet fucking scenes in that movie. It didn't make any of Okay. okay. I'm
2: just <laughs> okay. saying. Glenn I don't think, it, it's, it's, I don't don't think you 1. switch 1. out Tom Cruise for Glenn Powell. Devotion makes $1.5 billion. Yeah. <laughs> there's a, there's <laughs> a nostalgia well,
0: factor. It's not as well written of a film. You're right about that. For oh, sure. so <laughs> the writer had something to do with it. But well, nice. I'm to give them it, some credit. The number one reason. It's but, not like, you got to go see this movie. It's so well written. You gotta go but, see this. <laughs> 1.5 million. You know, no, come on.
1: But my point <laughs> is, but my point is, there's there's a there's a there's a give and take. Like the best performances of the year are absolutely due to the performer who performed them. That's why they're the best performer of the year, That's the best actor, best actress. But yes. you need great material that really get lets you feature what you can do. Like, I agree. I agree. so you know, you can be the best actor or actress in the world. And go in and do a role that's kind of like all right well that was good or in the case of tom cruise maverick is a you did exactly what you're supposed to do that's not a role that features uh yeah. a extreme acting prowess
0: all right we're just gonna have to disagree on this because that scene with him and Iceman has incredible acting prowess that scene yeah. when he's looking through the window at Rooster playing what Goose had played on that piano. There's a real journey going on when he when he yeah. comes off that roof and the daughter of Penny Benjamin is looking at him and he is just like essentially looking at all the mistakes he's made in his life in that one moment and being caught in them and her saying, just don't hurt her anymore. Like just, just legitimately awesome work being done by Tom Cruise all yeah. across that film. So for you to say, it's like, oh, he just understood the assignment. I think is really downplaying how much emotion and levels and weight –
1: and, I think and Tom Cruise cow. is an amazing actor. I think, just to be sort of clear here, I think Tom Cruise is an amazing actor. Like, yeah. I think he's great. I think he's great in almost everything. He's, he's one of the few people that, like I said, he's a true movie star in the fact that yeah. he always brings something to the screen. Like, there's a reason that we all have gone to see Tom Cruise movies for the entirety of our lives. Like, yeah. he is magnetic on screen. He is great at what he does. That doesn't mean that he is doing what uh brendan Fraser did in the whale or colin farrell did in banshees of anishiran or even what austin butler did in elvis like there are certain roles where actors just get to like really push the boundaries of what the craft does and i don't think that tom cruise maverick as a movie is a movie that is pushing the bounds of acting in general it it has great performances in it
2: top gun maverick not tom cruise maverick but i get your point
1: (laughs) I mean, is it, it's basically the same thing. It's the same
0: thing. <laughs> oh, he was the selling point. All right, we've settled.
2: All right. Anyway. <laughs> You're just chipping away at your own point here, Mikey.
0: <laughs> oh, man. Yeah. Anyway. Fair enough. Fair enough. We, we, we've gone over time, so let's end this show. But, yeah, good conversation, guys. And for all of you, of course, uh, love to hear your thoughts as well on all the topics we talked about. Shannon, what do we have to tell
2: yeah you would like to follow us on social media on twitter it's at geek underscore buddies on instagram at the underscore geek underscore buddies if you'd like to follow me on social media on twitter it's at shannon underscore mcclung. on instagram at shannon the geek buddy if you would like to follow mr vogel it is at mktune if you would like to follow mr roca it is at the roca says
1: mikey well if you like tom cruise or if you just think he's tom cruise uh, we clearly cover all opinions here on the Geek Buddies. And here's what you could do to help us continue to do what we do. Uh, hit the like button below. Subscribe to Johnny's Outlaw Nation page. Leave your comments below about Tom Cruise's performance in Tom Cruise Maverick. Uh, and if you are listening to us on podcasts, definitely leave us some stars. Definitely leave us some comments. It helps us go up in the rankings. And as always, the best thing that you can do is retweet this video, post it on your socials, send it to your friends, and tell them to hang out with your buddies, the Geek Buddies.
0: Uh, and, of course, big shout-out to uh, Carbon Health, who continues to power and sponsor us here into 2023. Thank you to them. And please go and visit them for any of your healthcare questions, concerns, or needs. They've got great COVID testing. They sell the COVID testing packs for you to get. Look, the numbers are going up in certain cities, so you got to take care of yourself. Go and check them out at CarbonHealth.com or download the app to have a doc in your pocket for all those moments when you have a heart attack because your best friend has the wrong opinion about a great actor. All right, y'all take care of yourselves, be well, and we'll talk to you next time with another brand new episode of The Geek (gasps) Buddies!
2: Hey!